This is Coffee with Kelly, a dynamic podcast that's dedicated to driving positive change in school safety. I'm your host, Ethan Woodman, Product Marketing Specialist for Crisis Go, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Kelly Moore, Senior School Safety Specialist for Crisis Go. Our mission is to empower you with essential knowledge, tools, and inspiration required to foster a safer and more secure school environment. We hope this podcast will be the catalyst for transformation in your schools. Join us as we continue to dive into the world of school safety. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Ethan. We have a guest today. We, we do. We do have a guest. Uh, joining us today is Shay Darlison from Rise Vision. Good morning, Shay. Morning. Thank you for having me on. It's good to be here with both of you. It's great to have you. Thank you for the listeners. Can you give us a little highlight or just an elevator pitch on what is Rise Vision? Yeah, so we have some quick background. So uh, I've been working at Rise Vision for nine years now, quite a while. And uh, we help schools improve communication with digital signage. Um, so we help schools increase student involvement in events, clubs, activities, celebrate student achievement, staff achievements, create a positive school culture. And then a third area of our focus is helping schools improve school safety with proactive safety messages and reactive emergency alerts. With that, Kelly, I think we have a pretty interesting thing to talk about today. It's not something that we enjoy talking about, but I think it's something that we should talk about, right? Yeah, so first, let me acknowledge the fact that we had another shooting uh, recently in the city of Las Vegas at the University of, of Nevada at Las Vegas. And I was reading an article about it, and I know it's early in the game of trying to look at lessons learned and so forth, but there were several things that popped out to me in the article, the statements that were printed from witnesses or people who were immediately impacted by uh, this shooting event. And so, and I thought this would be a, a great forum for us to talk about something that was, that recently happened and why it is important that we, as an industry, a school safety industry, why we don't look at just one solution, why we have to have partners, why we have to have redundancy, why we have to have training. We have to train people who are going to be on our campuses. This was a campus of higher education, obviously. And those are different impacts and different protocols they're the same concepts, but how we get those to the training and, and communications to those people is different. So that's where I think it really ties well into Rise Vision because there were things, and we, we've talked about this before, Ethan, there were things that we should know by now as a society. We should be much further along, you know, when we, we talk about further along what it, what do you mean by that kelly and and what i'm saying is is we're 25 years past columbine school safety active shooters both in and out of the school environment and when 
we started looking at alerts and way we look at alerts and how we do that. We talk about standardization and, and getting everyone involved. And it was very clear to me when I read the article, and I'd like uh, Shay's input on this, was there was a couple of different witnesses that said a couple of different things. And I'm hoping that Shay can address this. And first of all, there was an alarm that sounded like no other alarm they had ever heard before, and they didn't know what it meant. And there were different broadcasts that were put out from the school, theoretically. I'm guessing that's who that came from because it wasn't stated in the article. But there were different messages as to what the students and faculty should do. And I'm hoping Shay can help us out with that. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, I've read some articles on this as well and, and saw the same things as you. Of course, you know, the, I think the dust has yet to settle on this one. So hard to draw any final conclusions. But there was you know, people who heard alarms that they didn't recognize, people who were told to uh, evacuate to safety, uh, the run, hide, fight. You know, some people didn't see anything. And then one of the instructions was simply run as fast as you can. And I think this definitely highlights the importance of standardizing your emergency response and like making sure all of the tools that you're using in the event of an emergency are integrated, right? So if you're, if you're using multiple digital signage solutions, it's making sure that all of those solutions tie back to one emergency management system and they're all receiving the same information displaying that information in a cohesive way so that it's very clear to anybody on the campus, no matter what they're looking at or what they're listening to, they're getting the same information. Yeah. And I, I think that's important, right? Is making sure that they're getting good information. And we, we talk about this frequently on the podcast is there's two things that people want to know during a crisis, any crisis. It doesn't matter whether it's this or an earthquake, a tornado. Um, it doesn't matter what the, the crisis is. They want to know two things. First, what they want to know is what's happening and two, what you want them to do. And from my perspective, it's those two things are usually actually in a, an emergency response. Those two things that they want to know are actually reversed. What they need to know first is what you want them to do and what emergency protective action you want them to take. And you have to be clear. Now, we've talked about the hunt, the run, hide, fight. And you would think that that was a clear, very easy message to understand. But when you start drilling down to the individual circumstances that becomes more difficult to understand and you're giving people options and sometimes options are confusing, but I do think that it's necessary that you give the receiver of that information, the best information you can give them for the majority of the people you're trying to protect. And then you can tell them what's happening. And um, I think you have to be very clear as to, both of those. And when we're talking about digital signage, how does that work when you have an emergency? Who who controls that? And 
how how do they get that information? For sure. Usually in the event of an emergency, you don't want people to have to log in to a digital signage system, you know, type out that message, schedule it to the screens, hit publish, all of that. That's time that's being lost. You really want the digital signage system to be tied in to your emergency management system and to receive the notifications from your emergency, your centralized emergency management system, where it's controlled by, you know, a campus police department or director of safety and maybe a K through 12 setting, something like that. And where the instructions are flowing from that person to the emergency management system to the digital sign or social media or email or text message. So it's all cohesive, you know, um, and everybody is on the same page. Right. And so when we talk about that time being lost, adding messages and stuff, we can pre-can that stuff. And once, when we're talking to, you know, today's big buzzword in, in this setting is panic buttons, AI, and these other systems that trigger an alert. And when they trigger an alert saying lockdown or evacuate or whatever it is during that emergency, we can have pre-canned messages that go out with that trigger. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's just, you know, you're saving crucial time when you're, when you're using a system like that. Right. But the digital signage also allows us once that original canned message goes out, lockdown, you can even tell them what to do, lockdown, locks lights out of sights as is stated in the standard response protocols with the I Love You Guys Foundation, which are also partners of ours. You can put that on there. But then with digital signage, can you then log into the interface and uh, change that message to update them on what's happening? Yep. Yeah. So what? The majority of digital signage solutions that are being used on large campuses give you that that ability, right? So the the emergency notification has gone out. Now it is time to give people an update. Okay, you can now sign in and share a message that the lockdown has been lifted, and perhaps you're going to provide instructions on you know reunification and begin that process. Perfect. So. The reason I'm asking these questions is I want our listeners to understand that there's redundancy needed, there's messaging that's needed. And in the case of this current event that we're talking about, there was confusion where people heard sounds, heard gunfire, and it ended up being gunfire, but they didn't recognize it as gunfire. There were instructions that were being given and people didn't understand them. There were the total almost disregard of the alarms. There was alarms that they didn't recognize. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't hear it. Maybe they were on the other side of the building. Who knows? But there was a point where if they had acted on the information they had, I remember reading part of this in this article that I read from, I think it was a CNN article, where The professor decided, okay, it's time to evacuate because he was being told to evacuate was the inference there. And 
he goes to the door, opens the door, and he quickly shuts it and turns around with a very shocked look on his face and locks the door. It doesn't say what he saw, but obviously he saw something that was uh, disturbing to him. So having these concise instructions, what's happening, if you put them into an emergency protective action quickly, and then you follow that up with a message, we are involved in an active shooter event, please take safety precautions. If you have the ability to evacuate, evacuate. Then we can get on to more precise instructions and we can tell people to take the actions that are best for them as opposed to run as fast as you can because people don't know where to run. And they might have actually been running into danger. Mm -hmm. Evacuate. Some people would have been much better just locking the door conducting a proper lockdown, which requires locking the door, getting out of sight of the windows and the doors, and being silent in there. They'd be much better at that than evacuating. And when we're saying evacuate to safety, as one of the instructions were, then we have to include what is safety. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't know where the incident is occurring. So there were a lot of things that were going on there that I, I immediately thought, I go, okay, so with an app like Crisis Go, we can do all of that. We can trigger the Rise Vision digital signage, and we can tell them exactly what's going on. And what we want them to do is, which which is most important, um, is to get into that emergency protective action. In this case, would have been a lockdown. And then we can follow that up with, okay, here's the update. And that's what I think is important in the in these very early stages. And I think you said it correctly. The dust hasn't settled yet. We don't know who who the victims were. We don't know who the shooter was. We don't know anything about the particulars of the motive. There's lots of things that are still being sorted out, but those initial firsthand accounts of their feelings, I thought were pretty powerful as to what could have happened. It was a tragedy. There's no doubt about it. But what could have happened that was luckily for us and everybody, I think, is that law enforcement intervened very quickly and we didn't have people running into danger. And I think for that, we can count ourselves lucky for that. But I, I really don't rely on luck. Yeah, yeah, completely agreed. And I think, you know, a, a lot of what you're saying to me, you, you mentioned the I Love You Guys Foundation really highlights the importance of something like the standard response protocol. You know, one of the key messages of the protocol is everybody on the same page. The The benefit is you standardize the vocabulary, you train on it, you, the students have clear expectations, teachers know the process, and then when an emergency happens, it becomes much easier to, to execute on that plan. Yes, correct. And I want to point this out is I'm not going to say there were zero students on that campus, but very few of those students on that campus were even alive during Columbine. And we're at a point where 
as a society, we should be better at knowing what what it is that we're trying to do in these events. Do we want to prevent them? Absolutely. But we also know that they're going to continue. And we're going to, in the current state of things, we're going to get more of these at some point. And one of the messages that we at Crisis Go are trying to impart on people is we're not only trying to teach our kids in the K-12 environment what to do during an emergency while they're in school, but what they need to do as adults and what they do in the K-12 environment should carry over into adulthood, whether it's college, whether it's the workplace, whether it's a family outing, they're going to a movie, they're going to a sporting event, they're going to a concert. These are all places where you will see digital signage. These are places where you will see things happen and you need to understand what it is. And having standard protocols and understanding your situation and what those uh, protocols are and which ones can be used at any given time, it's important for us to understand that. And I think the redundancy of the different systems that are integrated together and working together and we can communicate that well. Ethan, you got anything? Yeah. So I don't know if you want to get into this, Kelly, but um, I was kind of reading through one of the first articles that I was reading. And obviously, I don't want to talk about the the shooter you know, to enlighten them or anything, right? Because I, I just hate doing that. But in the article, it did point out something that I thought was really interesting, that it's something that um, it relates to something you've you've always talked about, right? And what it talked about was that this guy had applied for a job at the university, but he didn't get it previously. So that right there tells me, right, we've talked about left of bang. We've talked about in that first stage, there's someone is disgruntled in some way. So it's just providing that evidence that this originated from somewhere that that was part of the that phase of left of bang. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about all of those things that we do before the incident. We call that bang. So anything that happens, in you, it's put up on a timeline and bang is zero hour, right? And so everything left of that is everything that we should be doing before the incident occurs. And that's preparing, that's looking at training, making our plans, making sure everyone understands what those plans are and how we're going to respond and, and those types of things, all of that stuff. But specifically what you're talking about, Ethan, is the ability for us to look at behaviors to indicate whether or not this is going or could be or have the potential for being something that could negatively impact in the future. And so uh, we're talking about putting somebody on the pathway to violence. We might know that and this will be something that we will sort of call out um, in the future as to what the shooter's uh, mental state was. But if it's somebody who's applied for a job and then was rejected, generally that that's not a big deal. But when we start talking about what was the reaction to that, was there a reaction? And if so, was it appropriate? 
And if it wasn't, then what do we do with that information and that reaction to the rejection? And so, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity there, but we have to uh, certainly have to know more about what happened and the circumstances around there, uh, because there, as of right now, it's really too early to look at where was he on that pathway and what were the issues there and so forth. But that all goes out the window when we have bang, right? And now we have to look at how do we communicate what's going on? Now, there is some stuff that communication, understandably, that you should be doing before something happens. So in the context of this podcast, what we're looking at is how do we make sure that what we need to say is being said correctly. And the way we do that is to prepare all of our communications, our redundancies and our overlapping systems to one, if I trigger something, it triggers the right place, the right people into moving into an emergency protective action so they know what to do. Then I can update them once once they're in a safe place. Then I can let them know what's happening if that's part of your protocols. But in this case, what we want to look at are those redundant systems like Rise Vision and digital signage, because there's an there's another aspect to this other than just redundancy. Because and maybe Shay, you can address this a little bit because we have people with disabilities who maybe can't hear those sirens, who need to read something. So I'm talking about the hearing impaired, some people who they might hear something and not understand what it says the first time. And so now we're we're having people who have to keep checking signage or something to allow them to understand what's going on. Shay, you want to address that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I, I think... You know, you hit the nail on the head. This is where really multiple systems working together shine. Um, and digital signage is simply one of many in this, this situation because there, there can be you know, blind people, hearing impairment. And so this is where the combination of vi- visuals, audio, you know, text messages for someone that just isn't paying attention, social media, Getting that message out in as many places as possible is is very important. I agree, and I and I think, you know, there's there's a lot of companies out there. There's a lot of stuff, and I think some people try to sell their solution as the solution. And I want people to understand. I think I said this early on, but none of us can really look at handling this all by ourselves, even in a large city like. Las Vegas, law enforcement isn't handling that all by themselves. Campus police isn't handling that all by themselves. Fire departments, school officials, ambulance services, hospitals. There's just no way that any one company, any one agency, anyone, anybody can handle something to this magnitude all by themselves. And I think it's important to understand that Many of us in this business are starting to realize the need for good partners and understanding that if we can partner and and this is for us, this is what left the bang looks like. 
And for us as partners, this is us identifying partners who can help us with those things that we don't do. And frankly, from a business perspective, we have very little interest in doing. But if we work together and we can set up systems before you need that redundancy, then I think everyone wins here. And by having partners who are willing to work with other people in a similar but different space, I think is absolutely a game changer for those who are willing to understand and take the effort to understand what is necessary to keep your organization, your campuses, your offices safe. And from there, I think, like Shay says, we have to look at all of the people who are there, people with disabilities, regardless of what those disabilities are. And to me, I'll say this, and I'd be happy if anyone wanted to discuss this, but if you're in an emergency and you have no understanding of what you're supposed to do or what is happening to you, and I I know I'm going to get some flack for this, but your actions are similar to those people who have a disability or they're impaired by some way or in some way. And so we have to make sure that we take all of those people who don't know what to do or how to do it or when to do it. We need to take all of those actions and make sure that they understand and can help themselves be safe. Redundancy, working in different environments with different, when I say environments, I'm talking digital technology, working in those different spaces to work this out so that we can get much clearer alerts, better information as to what we want them to do, updates on what's happening and what we want them to do next. Yeah. And I think this is something, I I think it was in your podcast episode, who's in charge of this, in that that episode that you, you talked, you dove into this topic a little bit and making sure that you are prepared for an emergency and the importance of you know, providing schools with the tools that they need, the funds that they need, the the time to practice these situations, run run the drills, uh, and ensure that they're everyone in the community is is prepared for these these situations. Yeah, I I agree. Obviously, since <laughs> I said it, I'm just glad that he referenced the podcast that was a couple ago. He's been doing his research. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, we love people who listen to me. <laughs> Um, but yeah and i think that's you know we always talk about this there's this this time frame from the time regardless of of how well you prepared and what you've done left of bang prior to the event there is a delay and when you're going to get help even as quick as the response was by law enforcement in this unlv event as quick as that was there was two or three minutes or a, a time frame that whoever was there was left to their own devices. And so we talk about this in this response to crisis. And I'm not going to go into all three stages of the response, the human response to crisis, but suffice it to say is you need to understand what you need to do in 
these events prior to them so that you can get to the survivable stage. And that's when you make a decisive, it's called the decisive moment. So there's this moment when you decide you need to take care of yourself and what you need to do to survive this event. And the quicker we can get you there, the better off everybody is. And that starts with planning, preparation, training, drills, exercises, and all of that stuff. So yeah, that was a good point, uh, Shay. And I think this is part of that is we need to build this resiliency. And I think that that starts in the K-12 environment and carries into this so that people can recognize for themselves that they're in danger and they can then take the appropriate actions by understanding the their environment and the situation they're in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. And if you have any questions about what we discussed, leave a comment on our website at crisisgo.com. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next time on Coffee with Kelly, a discussion on school safety.